Hi everyone, welcome to the B2B Sales Podcast. I'm Thibaut. And I'm Ara. Every week, we interview thought leaders, experts, and top performers in B2B sales. During 30 to 45 minutes, we will deep dive into topics like modern prospection, pipeline management tactics, or innovative sales tools to help you navigate the complex world of B2B sales. We're on a mission to change the way society sees sales. This profession is one of the most rewarding ever, yet many people are afraid to do sales or they choose this career by default. This podcast is brought to you by Sales Labs. If you want to know more about our sales training and coaching programs, go to www.saleslabs.io. I repeat, www.saleslabs.io. So get ready for your dose of sales wisdom and enjoy the show. Yeah, hello everyone. Uh, thanks for joining this LinkedIn Live. Today is actually some really special day for me because I'm in front of someone who I never thought I would actually have him, you know, and talk with him like face to face without like paying a crazy amount of money. But I found ways to actually do that. So it's uh, my guest today is Justin Welsh. So welcome to the show, Justin. Hey, man, it's really great to be on it. And uh, I'm having a blast so far. So I'm looking to see uh, how this goes, man. Great to meet you. Yeah, no, that's, that's super great. So it's like uh, we have one hour together. Uh, we're going to talk, you know, you and me for around 45 minutes and then open to uh, questions to the audience. So um, before you introduce yourself, I'd like to just like explain uh, why you're on the show and, uh, and, and why it's so special for me. So basically last year in December, I was tasked to do a, a kind of, um, of a workshop in front of people like uh, I think it was in front of 150 people and someone, you know, the organizers say, hey, Thibaut, can you come and just like talk about prospection hacks, prospecting hacks? I was like, yeah, okay, why not? I had no clue what I was about, to, you know, what I wanted to talk about. So I said, okay, I'm going to talk about LinkedIn, you know, and then I started doing that. And then as I yeah. went, I was like, oh my God, I need to find someone who knows what to talk about. And I just, I don't know how I landed on your profile, downloaded, like I bought your playbook and this changed the game for me. So just to give you an example, I was at 2,500 followers. Now I'm at above 10,000. It's in around six months. And this is mostly like 80 to 90% thanks to your playbook. So that's why I wanted Thank to you. have you here is because I got so much value from what you had. And I wanted everyone in my audience to also do that. So now I'm going to turn the mic to you. And if you could just tell, tell us about yourself, who you are. And sure. Totally, man. Well, first of all, thank you for that compliment. That's awesome. I'm, I'm really pleased with the feedback that I'm getting on the playbook. Um, you know, people are, people are writing to me and saying their audience is growing, which is awesome. That, that was my goal, right? Was to give, yeah. give people something super affordable that they can use to build a massive audience. That's great. But, you know, my name's Justin Welsh. Um, I lived in LA and I actually just arrived in Nashville, Tennessee today. My wife and I are closing on our new home on Friday morning. So I'm now a resident of Nashville. And uh, for the last 16 years, I've been, a, I've been in sales, but for the last 10, I've been uh, a sales leader at a company called ZocDoc, which is a $2 billion New York company. And then um, most recently, the last five years as the VP of sales, SVP of sales and chief revenue officer at a company called Patient Pop in Los Angeles, which um, most recently valued at about a half billion dollars. So um, I grew that from its first dollar of revenue up to about uh, almost 60 million in recurring revenue in about four years. We built the sales team from one person up to about 140 people. Um, where LinkedIn came in was kind of by accident, to be honest. Um, I, started, I started posting on LinkedIn on a regular basis, just sharing what I was learning. And it seemed to resonate with people and people really liked what I was sharing. And so I started to become a bit more methodical about it. I had a process and an approach. I started building a system that I thought would work really well, testing some things, and it did. I went from about 2,000 followers in uh, early 2019 to about 50,000 followers uh, in mid-2020. So really just exploded. And what that's allowed me to do is to leave my full-time role. So I now do two things. I advise businesses, so I advise SaaS businesses, specifically uh, SMB businesses um, that are looking to grow in a similar fashion to companies that have grown before. And then I also help people build audiences on LinkedIn because I just figured out a good way to do it. And so I try and share my knowledge in something that I call the LinkedIn playbook, which you can grab on my website. So that's, that's where I am today. And now I'm, uh, I'm just working for myself. Yeah, by the way, let me just drop the link to the playbook on the, uh, you know, in the chat in both, um, both areas, because this, this is really like, you know, there's a lot of online courses or stuff out there. The playbook is yep. really one of the best I've seen. Seriously, it's so tactical. Um, and that's the thing often, you know, you have like very 
vague and fluffy advice in these many, many, many playbooks, but yours is like super tactical, like how you do your profile, what kind of content you do, how you pick your niche. It's, it's just like really amazing. So yeah. Oh cool. yeah. My, my whole goal was like, there's a lot of ripoff artists out there. There's a lot of people charging a thousand bucks for nebulous advice and trying to upsell you into stuff. And like my, my thing was, I made it like 50 bucks and I was like, here's everything that I know. And it's 50 bucks. And it's like, um, I tried to get as tactical as possible. It's not my main form of income. So like, it's more of a fun side project for me. So if you want to grow your LinkedIn audience, check it out. I think you'll like it. Okay, good. Um, so one, one quick thing. So like what made you realize actually that you, so you started, you said, you know, like uh, uh, early 2019, what made you actually commit to work on LinkedIn? Because it's a lot of work and consistency is key there. But why did you decide to commit to do that? Yeah, there, there's probably two reasons. I think the, the first one is just like something that a lot of people don't admit and I'm happy to admit it, which is it's addicting. I like it. Like I like engaging with people. I like building a following. I like um, influencing the way that people decide to approach their job. I, I actually really enjoy all that stuff. And so when you share a message and you get, you know, messages back from people that say like, this was super helpful. This was very inspiring. This really helped me through a challenge at work. That's a great feeling. And I like helping people. So that was uh, probably the first reason. I think the second reason is I like to write. So um, I like to write short sort of messages. I don't like writing blog posts. I don't, I'll probably never write a book. It's just not my style. Mm -hmm. um, and so this gave me a creative outlet to share things that I had learned. And I've been in the game for a really long time. And um, you know, while running the risk of potentially sounding arrogant, and I hope it does not come off that way, I've had a successful career. I've built two really big businesses, and I feel like rather than holding that information back, I want to share it with people. So I try and share that on a daily basis. And, you know, the feedback that I get from people is what really keeps me going to be like very, very candid and honest with you. Yeah. And also, I, th I think... Um you don't sound arrogant at all. That's, that's one thing I can, I can tell you, I've heard a lot of your podcasts and everything and, and you're always very authentic about your story and, and you know how you started your career, which was, you know, not something where you were, you were as accomplished as you are. And then, and then something changed. Someone gave you a chance and then you crushed it. So can you maybe share a bit about the, sure. about that and the transformation of Justin? Yeah. I mean, I got into sales at 21. Um, my dad's a salesman, still is, has been for almost 50 years. And, um, you know, I jumped into to sales at 21, 22. I can't, can't remember the exact age. But for the first six years of my career, I was just a total failure. Um, I got fired my first three jobs. I never hit quota, but I also never made a sale. Like, I never made a sale. I never had someone give me their credit card or buy something from me. I just was not very good at it. And I was also really immature. Like, I partied a lot. Um, I worked out a lot. I didn't go to work as much as I should have. I was a field rep. So like, I didn't have a boss floating over my shoulder. So that was easy for me. And, you know, I got a call from a guy named Cyrus Masumi. He was the CEO and founder of a company called ZocDoc in New York. And he was looking for a salesperson and they only had one other sales guy and they only had nine other employees. And I was like, Oh, this is awesome. So I took a bus from Allentown PA or wherever I was living in, in into New York. And I interviewed and I got the job. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how uh, I probably had a made up resume and made up accomplishments, which I don't recommend, but um, I think it was really interesting. Like I had this intersection. I had these really, really smart people that I had, I was just blown away by their intelligence. I had this incredible product that I knew was going to change the game. Online doctor's appointments did not exist in 2009. And then I had this great city in New York, which was just giving me so much energy. And I think at the same time I was maturing a little bit and I was ready to, to, to be an adult. And when those four things sort of intersected, I went out on my very first day and made a sale. And I was like, whoa, I can do this. I can be successful in this. And so from then on, it was just success. I was, I was there for almost five years. I, I was in four or five different leadership roles and I haven't looked back since. And I think what a lot of folks are missing is just finding that opportunity that really meshes well with them. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And I think that, that what, what's super interesting also is, uh, um, is that you, you didn't actually let your past define who you you know who you were you were about, about to become. So someone took a chance and and you got this opportunity and then you realize your potential, and uh, and that's something super important because I think a lot of people just like look at their past and when you know when you're young and you just like out of out of studies or out of school you just want to party and it's fine, but at some point you know you you, you then you hit like a spot where you can be excellent. I guess there's a lot of work involved. 
So uh, is that the case? Are you, are you working a lot? Yeah, man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm just a, I'm a workaholic, which is not what I want to be. Um, when I, I, I used to not work at all and then got fired a bunch of times and then I got good at something and I wanted to do more of it. I wanted to like make more calls. I wanted to make more sales. I wanted to be the best. Like all of a sudden I went from this guy who couldn't make any sales, this guy who just wanted to be number one every month. I don't know why that, that flipped. I think it was just a taste of success made me feel that way. And so I've, I've taken that sort of presence at ZocDoc, which was everyone worked really hard there, worked super hard. And I brought that to everything that I've done the rest of my life. And I think now <laughs> I'll probably start taking it down a little bit, spending some more time with my wife. I, I think that having more free time is something that as I get older is, is definitely at the top of my list. And so um, there was a lot of hard work, you know, 60 yeah. to 90 hour work weeks for over a decade in a row. And so, you know, I'm tired, but I'm excited for the next chapter. <laughs> Good. And I really like also like, uh, um, since I've, I've started following you, I've seen a small transition in what you're, you know, you're aiming for and publicly you're, you're sharing is that you're aiming for more time and choose what you do with your time. So that's something yeah. for me is uh, um, I'm 29. I, I don't have like, a, I have some experience, you know, and, and now I, I, but like, that's something I've refused. I've said in the rest of my career, I will see if that's the case, but I've committed to not give my time to, you know, like to, to anyone else. I just want to choose what I do with it. And this for me is, is this is exact luxury. Whenever you're able to just choose whatever you do with your time, you know, you, I don't know, like working from, as you said, from anywhere you want to, you want to work, yep. be with the people who are, who matter to you. I think that's what's really important. And, and I think that's what a lot of people are realizing this kind of constant uh, hustle and grinding and everything. It's cool. But if you, if you don't, you know, if it doesn't produce time for you, I don't think it's actually worth it. Yeah. To, to me, like if I think of any mantra that I have in my head, it's that free time is the new currency. So for me, it's not about making a million bucks a year. It's not about like trying to bring home as much money as possible. I like to make money and anyone who says that they don't, I generally don't believe I like to make money. So don't get me wrong, but I much prefer free time. And so if I can find a combination of those two things, um, then that's what I want to work towards. And so interestingly enough, when I started promoting the LinkedIn playbook, I didn't think about that as a thing to make a lot of money, but people love it and it's, it's making money. And so I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's interesting. You know, people will consume something that's affordable and, and is helpful. So how do I offer more value? How do I keep bringing more value to my audience? And, you know, I think that's, part of what the playbook talks about is how to build an audience first. And the next step is like, how do you serve them? How do you serve them things that really truly help them? And um, that, that's what I want to do. Cause I want to spend time with my wife. I want to enjoy life. I don't want to be owned by a boss. I don't want to have to report somewhere when I don't want to be somewhere mm -hmm. to me. That is, that is 2020, 2021. And I think the world will continue to move in that direction. Yeah. And I think that young, young people, especially like generation Z and things like that, they're going to, they're going to crush it in, in that uh, very, very uh, specific arena of mm -hmm. owning their time and they're smart and they're capable. And I'm just really excited to see what the, the people that are younger than I do. So. Yeah, exactly. By the way, I just saw you had a tattoo with the American state. Which one is it? It's Ohio. It Ohio. I'm from. Okay. I'm from, okay. I'm from Cle Cleveland, Ohio. Yeah. Okay. It's crazy. It sounds like good salespeople are from Ohio. My mentor, Skip Miller, who's also like, uh, uh, who has the same vision. He's been in the business more than like longer than us. He's from Ohio, Ohio too. So it's, uh, seems like produce a lot of good salespeople. It's weird. <laughs> I like, I like to think so. <laughs> good. So let's get tactical now. Um, sure. For anyone who's like uh, kind of afraid of getting started on LinkedIn and building a personal brand. So what do you like? They're not afraid, but they just don't know where to start. And they would like to actually know what to, what to start with. What do you suggest them? Yeah. So, so for me, I think people are most likely to follow you if you do something interesting. <laughs> and I think that when I say something interesting, it doesn't mean like, climbing a mountain or, or something like, you know, anything crazy like that. I just mean everyone does something interesting in their career. If you think about what you're doing on a regular basis, there is something in there that is interesting to other people. So the first thing is do something interesting, right? So start there. The second thing that I think people should do is they should start thinking about who are the people that want to learn about this interesting thing that I've already done. So rather than like waiting to be an expert, everyone's like, oh, I don't want to post because I'm not an expert on something. You don't have to be. All you have to do is be slightly more experienced than the folks below you. Mm -hmm. So for example, if I compared myself to Gary Vaynerchuk, I'm, 
I'm no Gary Vaynerchuk. He's got 20 billion more followers than I do. He's got way more experience than I do. If I compared myself to him and decided that I wouldn't get started because I wasn't an expert like him, then it would be a waste. Mm -hmm. But instead, what I do is I look into my past and I say, what would Justin have liked to learn two years ago? five years ago, yeah. seven years ago, what, what, what would I have liked to learn? And so I try and produce content for me back in the day. And that's how I think everyone should produce content. So even if you're an entry-level salesperson or an entry-level marketing person, there's someone who's not there yet, produce mm -hmm. content for them, right? Do something interesting in your job, do something interesting in your life, talk about it. And the easiest way to talk about it is by documenting. And so for me, when I do stuff, like if I try and experiment on LinkedIn, or I try and experiment in my business, I write it down, I type it up, and I put it on Twitter or LinkedIn and say like, yeah. here's something I tried today, worked, didn't work, here's what I learned. That's all audience building is. Do something interesting, document it, talk about it, and the people who are interested in it will find it. Yeah, exactly, I, lo I love that. And, and the, the fact of documenting something like experiments is also something I've started doing a lot, like trying different things. And uh, just sharing the results and the good or bad people will actually learn from that and they will appreciate for the authenticity. I think that's a core value for you also being authentic. And mm -hmm. um, for me, you know, I, I, I'm like, uh, I have one social network. It's, it's LinkedIn. I don't have Instagram. I don't have Facebook. I don't have Twitter. Um, because I just want to focus on one uh, social network and I don't want to be distracted, you know, and, and, and I, I just like, I never felt like I, I would like to, to play around these codes and everything, but now I see, it's, it's so interesting to be able to do that because you, you get good feedback, then people approach you. And what I found is people, they, they, they know you. So they, they get the impression, they, they start with you. I jump in calls with many people now and they say, oh, it's you, Thibault. How are you doing, man? And I was like, yeah, good. And they get this impression. They, they know me. And, and it's so much easier to start conversations as, as a rep when you're selling something because people have a good idea of who you are already. Absolutely. And one other thing that people should think about when they're starting branding on LinkedIn is that... Like a year and a half ago, I had no followers, like almost none. No, like any, any connections I had were people that I went out and connected with on my own. Mm -hmm. And so like, I, 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 there wasn't really anything special about, about me. I just thought through how to best build a personal brand. And so if you're Jim Smith and you don't think you've done anything special, you have. Think about what you've done, but then create a persona around it, right? Invest in a headshot, invest in a banner, write an about section, spruce up your profile. It's social media, mm -hmm. right? And there's a really, really interesting opportunity for you to create your own brand, create your own persona. Don't let others define you, define yourself. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's so, so right. And talking about that, so, so often, you know, what I've seen is uh, for people who are um, in, in this kind of, so it obviously works really well to build a personal brand when you have to sell something or when you have a marketing or business kind of position. Um, so what's, what's the thing? Because like there's a debate we have going on there. If you listen to uh, the Flip the Script tour with like Beck Holland, uh, Scott Barker and uh, Josh Brown, they were having a fight about personal branding and who should pay for that. Because if I'm, I'm having like SDRs working for me and they start building, like spending time on LinkedIn, building a personal brand, you know, and, and, and I'm just paying, you know, their, their time for that, um, that can be an issue. So what, what's, the, what, what's the advice you give to an SDR who's actually building her or his personal brand. So they actually, their boss is not on their back and be like, okay, you have to work instead. Yeah, I mean, you have, if you're working full-time, you've committed a certain amount of hours per week to your employer, right? So like, mm -hmm. if you're not doing your job, then that's not a good thing. Outside of that, uh, your employer does not own your LinkedIn profile. Mm -hmm. Your employer does not own your time outside of, you know, nine to five or whatever your time is. So that's your own. Mm -hmm. And for me right now, like I can't imagine building a brand on behalf of my company. So let's say that you work in healthcare technology and you're an SDR. So you go out and you build a big brand around healthcare and physicians and technology, and then you get fired, right? And the next company yeah. that hires you is FinTech. Now suddenly you're in the financial world mm -hmm. and that audience that you just spent a year building is, is almost meaningless, right? In mm -hmm. your new role. So for me, it's about, it's about me. Personal yeah. brand is about being, about being personal. And I think that you can merge both of those things. So I remember when I was building my brand at Patient Pop, I, I had a few folks that were kind of pissed off about it. They'll, they'll tell you that. I think my CEO at one point was like, hey man, you're on there a lot. And then I went and talked to my recruiter and I was like, 
how are, how's the recruiting going? He's like, oh my gosh, we got all these people, uh, you know, applying for a role because it was me, it was Kevin Dorsey, it was Derek Jankowski, mm-hmm. a bunch of people building their brands online. And so people started to get to know our business. Yeah. And as they get to know your business, they want to work there. And so if they want to work there, they apply. Yeah. So not only was I building something for myself personally, but my company was benefiting from that. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I think about it, but build it for yourself. Yeah, that's so like I learned something really big now is, is really whenever you do that, you create like attention, people go there and then they kind of start being interested in your, your, your like who you're working for. And then you kind of create this, uh, you know, by traffic as a byproduct, I would say. So I think it's, it's great. What, what happened at pa- Patient Pub? Because it sounds like the personal branding factory there. There's like a lot of people who are working there. So what happened? Is there some kind of like a secret meeting you had or what's, what's the story? Yeah, I, the story is this. Um, I started brand building by accident and um, really enjoyed it. And then as I was building my brand, I got a, a message. It was either I sent him or I think he sent me a message actually. And it was mm-hmm. Kevin Dorsey. Yeah. And KD sent me a message and he's like, Hey man, we don't know each other. I had never met Kevin. We had never spoken with one another before. He's like, we don't know each other. We should get to know each other. I was like, yeah, awesome. So we went and we got a cup of coffee and I was like, got to know him a little bit. And then about six months later, three months later, I sent him a text message and said, Hey, we're hiring for a VP of inside sales. And I was like, you know, here's the role description. Do you know anyone hoping that he would be like, yeah, I know me. (laughs) And that's what happened. He was like, yeah, he's like, I'm interested. And I was like, cool. So, so Kevin came on board and um, we worked together for about almost two years and he was doing his thing. I was doing my thing. And then guys like Sam Lewis, Derek Jankowski, Jesse Gitler, uh, a few other folks in the organization started taking notice. And so they started coming to me and asking me a few questions. Hey, how do you do this? What do you think about this? And pretty soon it just sort of, it just spread, but we don't meet about it. We never talked about it. It was just kind of like, we, we did it in side conversations, but it wasn't a plan at all, but we saw better recruiting uh, and we just saw more brand recognition. I mean, look at a company like Gong. Do you know Gong? Yeah, yeah. Of course yes. you do, right? Sarah, they're all like over. Everyone, yeah. Everyone, right? Yeah. So they're, 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 they're smart as well because they're buyers on LinkedIn. So yeah, I think it's beneficial for a company. Yeah, yeah. I'd say if your audience is on, on building, if your ICP is on, on, on LinkedIn, there's just like, there's no reason not to do a personal brand because no that's, you know, that, that they're just gonna gonna have more eyeballs and it's gonna be like a lot a lot better for your, your marketing. So I think I think it's great. Um, so now, like I'd be curious to know. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna take this opportunity for, to to have like some kind of like uh, personalized consulting from you because now, now that I have sure. you, so. I've seen recently, you know, like I've seen like a really good, like steady growth in my followers and the number of views I had. I started, I think I had like, like hundred views every, like uh, in my last uh, three, three months, 90 days. Now I'm at around 4,000 and I, I kind of plateaued at 4,000. So what, 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 how would you explain that with the information you have or, and what would be a good strategy to kind of like keep the curve going up again? Yeah. I mean, I think that stuff stagnates if you don't try new things. Mm -hmm. And um, I also think there's certain types of media that works much better on LinkedIn. I've tried everything. I've Mm -hmm. written text posts. I've shared documents. I've done video uh, pictures, whatever. Um, So for me, what I found is nothing outperforms straight up text. Straight up text Mm -hmm. blows video, blows images, everything out of the water. And I think that what a lot of people do is they get into a rut where they're documenting and sharing but they're not polarizing or compelling. Mm -hmm. So if you take a look at like, I'll read someone's stuff and it'll be like 63% of these people in Gartner quadrant and a bunch of information. This is not a white paper. This is not a study, you know, study class. Mm -hmm. This is storytelling. Tell stories. People go to LinkedIn because they want to read something compelling and interesting. You can share and document, but you have to make it compelling. So what I generally think about is I think about the top three lines as my above the fold of my website, right? Mm-hmm. My first yeah. goal, my first goal is to get people to, to click to click read more. That's my very first goal. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I always architect my post with the first three lines and I say, what would be interesting or compelling? What would get me to read this, the, the next 10 lines that I write? Mm-hmm. And so I architect it in that way. I try and say something that's meaningful or polarizing or gets people to feel something emotional. Mm-hmm. And then I leave them, I leave a hook, right? On that third line, I'm just like, I ask a question or I trail off and I want people to click read more. As soon as they click read more, LinkedIn boosts that a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. And I know that if they've committed to reading those first three or five lines, they're going to commit all the way down, 
right? Yeah. So I drive people all the way down through the post. And my goal, and I stole this from Dave Gerhardt, who's the, the CMO over at, uh, I think it's called, uh, I can't remember. Privy, yes, no. thank you. Yeah. Privy, yeah, thank you, yeah. thank you. Um, I, I stole something that he wrote, which is basically like, good copywriting is just getting people to read the next line. Yeah. And so each line of my post is always focused on getting you to read the next thing. Okay. So the first thing that I would do is like audit your posts and say like, is this a compelling story or am I just sharing information, mm -hmm. right? Put it in the story form. Uh, the second thing that I would do is start testing some things. So I've tested a few different things. I've tested hashtags. Mm -hmm. I found that for a while they were working. They seem to be working a little bit less now. I've tested different times. So um, I'll go for a few weeks with one time and then I'll move it up an hour, move it back an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, and then I've tested uh, posting multiple times per day. So oftentimes I use an, an app called Shield mm -hmm. and Shield, Shield will show me how my post is growing and then it'll start to show me as it's plateauing. Mm -hmm. And as soon as it's plateauing, I'll post again and I'll kind of yeah. siphon, I'll siphon that earlier traffic and that second post will pick up from where that first post left off and keep going. And so that was a way that I increased my views. But here's the secret sauce. The secret sauce is following is not really about content. The secret sauce is that following is about engagement. So not only am I posting my own content, but I've got a network of folks that I love. Kevin, Chris Walker, Derek Jankowski, Austin Belchak. We're not, we don't do pods. We don't have an agreement. None of that stuff. Like that's all bullshit in my opinion. Um, but I love their content. So each morning I go out and I wait and I'd see what do they post? And then I try and write something meaningful. I write not just like yay or rocket ship or, Fire. you know, hands up. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. That's meaningless. Yeah. Write something meaningful and you have a really good opportunity to be the top yeah. post. And when you're the top commenter on a post that's taking off, you actually gain a tremendous amount of followers. Okay. So I do that. And then I also sort by recent posts and I try and catch a Gary V post or I try and okay. catch a, Dave Gerhardt post, you know what I'm saying? And so that's, yeah. that's the other sort of secret sauce. That's so smart. That's like, you know, super interesting because a lot of people have engagement pods and uh, you know, some are automated and it just like does seriously. I don't, I don't, I, except like a dopamine rush. I don't, I don't understand why, but so yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, if you have an engagement pod, like fine, if you have an engagement pod, fine, but you are admitting to yourself out loud that your content does not stand on its own. Okay, that's a strong statement, but I like that. <laughs> so if, if let's say there are someone who's like uh, starting to post, would love to actually join your crew without like, uh, you know, like having these pods or whatever, like, but be visible with you and, and just like be in your team. What, what should they do? They should add value. And so like add value is a cliche statement. So let me, let me maybe rephrase that a little bit. They should be participatory. So they should participate in my brand. And here's what I mean. I get a bunch of DMs every day. Got one yesterday. Guys like, hey, can we chat for 15 minutes? And I was just like, about, about what? Who are you? And why? Like, not again, not trying to sound arrogant, but like, why should I give my time to you? What is the reason, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I said, no. But I gave, you and I are talking, right? And I'm, you're not paying me any money. I'm, I'm, this, there's no agreement here except for the fact that you have engaged and been a part of my network for a long time. I don't know you personally. This is the first time that you and I are meeting, mm -hmm. but you write on my stuff. You comment. You comment on other people's stuff that I know. So your face became familiar with me, right? Mm -hmm. So when you, when you reached out and you didn't reach out until you had engaged with my stuff for a long period of time, right? And so I recognized you when you reached out. And the first thing that I did was like, hey, email my assistant, Rachel. Let's get some mm -hmm. time on the, on the calendar. I didn't, yeah. I didn't say why. I didn't push back. I just said, yeah, yeah. because you did a great job. So my, my thing is, water water the plant watch it grow right don't yeah. try and come right in and get someone's time just be a part of their network for an extended yeah. period of time exactly and no pick can i pick your brain like this thing you know doesn't work anymore but i really like because it's um um so it's it's actually when you think about it it mimics what you do in real life when actually you build connections and relationship with someone this actually works exactly the same like the algorithm does things whatever but we still have humans dealing with humans and uh, that's the thing. You just can't go and, and have a, a relationship being like super fruitful from the, from the beginning. You have, to, you have to nurture it. You have to build it. You have to invest in it. And then, you know, at, at some point, people kind of like decide if they want to invest back in it. And so I think it's, uh, it's really this thing is, is also patience, consistency, and also like 
um, for me is commenting on your on your on your post and what you're doing will also allow my my audience to see to see you. Then it becomes part of the audience, and then it's 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 value to you. And, and if my audience is small, it's still value, you know, because it's uh, it's different people and, and new and like new faces, new business potential for you basically. There, there's value to me and there's value to you. It's a win-win, right? Mm -hmm. Like I would say people see you comment on my posts. I comment on your stuff. We, we interact with one another, but they don't know that you and I don't really know each other that well, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We're, we're meeting again for the first time and I hope that we can foster a, a much longer term relationship, but they might assume that we do, right? They might mm -hmm. assume that you and I know each other very well. And by, by making that assumption, you tether yourself to me and I tether myself to you and we become part of the same circle. Yeah. And that's why like, like Austin Belchak's got like 250,000 followers. This guy's been mm -hmm. on LinkedIn for a long time. He and I have never met. We've done a few Zoom things together, but we, we're, we're at each other's posts. We're DMing each other and stuff like that. And my audience has grown because of him and his audience has grown because of me. It's been mm -hmm. a huge win-win, but we've actually never met each other. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, and, yeah. and that's, I think that's how most of the, for me, it's the same. Like most of the people I do business with are, you know, I just like have these lives and everything. I didn't meet them before, but I have this kind of like willingness to help them, willingness to provide value again, like it's a cliche thing, but just like to, um, yeah, to, to build the win-win situations. And I think it's, it's one good way to, uh, to develop relationships. So I think it's, uh, it's super interesting. So it, and wait, let me add one more thing to that because I think there's one other thing that you can do that's really interesting. I see that you have the book Addicted to the Process behind you by Scott Lees. Yes. Right? Yes. So Scott and I host Thursday night sales together, as you as you probably know. Mm -hmm. And you know, one other way to start doing stuff is build a relationship and then build something together. Right. That is such an awesome way to start bringing people into your network is to build something together. I love Scott. He's my partner in crime on Thursday night sales. Never met him. I love Amy. She's my co-host on Thursday night sales. Never met her. Right. <laughs> we've been doing, we've been doing six months worth of programming every Thursday night. We've never met each other. So it, this is just how, how LinkedIn works and why yeah. to me it's so important and such a special platform. Imagine this, this event where after this pandemic is over, all these people in this network kind of meet somewhere for real. That would be yeah. so nice, you know, if you're like, oh, I know you, I know, I, I, it would be, oh my God, can't wait for that to yeah. happen. That must be Me something too. we have to organize. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. So um, now, now back on the, the, the let's say the more, uh, like, you know, it's super tactical, but like, let's say on a LinkedIn profile. So often, you know, people have a LinkedIn profile where they say, okay, I crushed the president's club or I'm the top number one VP, whatever thing, you know, they just like, then you know, it's kind of like a Christmas tree of accomplishments and whatever. So what are, let's say, the top three areas you have to work on your LinkedIn profile? If you just had yeah. three areas you could work on. To me, the, the profile is like a funnel, right? So you start at the top. And um, I read a great book called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And he talks mm -hmm. about how you tell stories and how you get people to move through a funnel, right? So, so for me, the most important stuff's at the top. It's your banner image, right? And most mm -hmm. people like use like a skyline of New York City. And that's nice looking and I understand that it makes you feel professional looking or someone can be like, oh, that guy lives in New York. But it doesn't tell you anything about what this person does. So for me, I always recommend that folks go to Canva, C-A-N-V-A.com mm -hmm. and build a free LinkedIn banner. You can build a free LinkedIn banner and the banner should have a goal. The banner should tell people, who are you? Who do you help? And what do you help them do? Who are you? Who do you help? What do you help them do, right? That's the three questions that you need to answer on your banner. Someone should be able to go, wow, in three seconds, I know that Justin helps SMB SaaS founders mm -hmm. grow their revenue from zero to 50 million. That's who I am, what I do, and how I help. That's, that's like the, the, the very first, first part. The, the second part is the image of you is the first thing that tells someone how much time you invest in what you do. So if you're just like a selfie in a car, then you don't invest time in things. I don't take you seriously, right? Um, if you just take like a real blurry photo, it's you at a bar with a beer in your hand and your best buddy cropped out, you didn't spend any time making that look good. Why would you spend any time making my business more successful? So the next thing is invest in a high quality headshot. If you don't have money to invest in a high quality headshot, get someone with the new iPhone, use portrait mode, and have one of your buddies take a picture and edit it for you. Grab someone on Fiverr or Upwork, spend 25 bucks and get an edited headshot, right? That, that's sort of next. And then the section below, which is the about section, 
before I go down there, there's one other thing. There's the line underneath your head, your headline underneath your profile photo. Mm -hmm. Again, that should repeat. Who are you? Who do you help? What do you help them do? Yeah. Right? So in three seconds, they should capture all that information. As they move down the profile, the next thing they're going to see is your about section. That's where you get granular, right? Mm -hmm. That's where you start talking a little bit more about your tactics. How do you help? Right? What are the exact things that you do? Give me three to five things that you help people do. Also an area for social proof. So if you take a look at mine, you'll see a couple things. You'll see how I help founders. You'll also see my experience. So, hey, not only do I help founders do this, but I've actually done this before, mm -hmm. right? So I'm not just blowing smoke, I've done it. And then the next thing that I talk about is accomplishments. So during my time at Patient Pop, it won all these awards. And I have six different bullet points in there of, of awards that we won mm -hmm. during my time there. And so it's like more granular, uh, social proof and awards. And, and for that, to me, you've got a really good profile. All the stuff that you do at work, like President's Club and I call 100 prospects a day or whatever, that all belongs down in your experience section mm -hmm. underneath your work, underneath your work stuff. Okay. Yeah, that's really amazing. And on the banner, for me, that's something I didn't understand this way because my banner is like a, my basically the, the, the color code of my company plus my logo, which doesn't provide any info. And uh, right. I'm not, I'm not Coca-Cola. I'm not trying to build a brand where people are like, oh, that's like sales labs blue, you know? So I, I think I, sh I should, yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do right after update my banner. Never thought about that. Yeah. And someone asked in the comments, what was yeah. the banner website? It's a Canva, C-A-N-V as in Victor A. And you can go in and there's a little section where it says, what kind of design would you like to make? And you type in LinkedIn and it'll say LinkedIn banner. There's a bunch of pre-templated mm -hmm. designs and you can just edit them. It's free. Okay. Yeah. We, we typed in there. So it's uh, I post, also posted on, uh, on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, cool. Now about content. So um, building content is something super hard for a lot of people. Uh, for me, I hated doing that. Now I kind of like it better, but still it's, you know, it's challenging. It's not my go-to thing. So how do you create content and, and make sure you stay consistent with that? Yeah, it's, it's probably the hardest part, right? So there's, there's no like simple answer to staying consistent, but there are some tips that will be helpful. Um, so for me, the first thing to do is identify when you are most creative. So some people are night owls. They create at night. They're up till midnight working. I'm in bed by 10 o'clock, 9.30. So I'm not a, a night person. I am a morning person. So I am most creative over my second cup of coffee, right? I get a couple cups of coffee and I can write. I'm also most creative when I have a lot of free time. Mm -hmm. So for me, the, the intersection of free time and coffee is like Saturday morning for me, right? So mm -hmm. around 8 a.m. every Saturday morning to 10 a.m., I carve out two hours to be creative, to write. And you have to do that, right? That's, that's the easiest way to, to get it done. But you can't try and think of all your ideas in those two hours. You have to be collecting ideas over the course of your week. So there are a couple of different ways that I collect ideas. One way that I collect ideas is just, you know, I'm here, yeah. notes app, right? Anytime that I do something, I write it down. Oh, I just yeah. did this. Or anytime that I solve a problem, I write it down. How'd I solve that problem? What was it? Why was it important to me? Mm -hmm. Anytime I help someone else solve a problem, I write it mm -hmm. down, right? And then um, other things that I do is I use Pocket. I love Pocket. Mm -hmm. So when I'm searching around the internet, um, I'm on Twitter, I'm reading a blog post, something, I see something and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. I don't like that or I feel differently or I agree, but I have a different take. I save it to Pocket, which is just P-O-C-K-E-T.com. There you go, getpocket.com. And um, I save it to Pocket, and then on Saturday morning, I open up Pocket, and I'm like, oh, here's all the stuff that I looked at this week, and all those things start coming back to me, and then I just turn them into stories, and the way that I turn them into stories is I don't write any of the tactics above the fold. I write the, the hook lines, as you've seen before, which is like, I'll make a polarizing statement, one that gets 60% of people to say, I agree, and one that gets 40% of people to say, I disagree. Right. So think of, and people may take this the wrong way, but think of LinkedIn posting a little bit like politics, right? There's a reason that everyone talks politics online because everyone's arguing with one another. They're trying to yeah. get, I'm right. No, I'm right. And everyone's yeah. arguing. And, and I don't try and be intentionally divisive. I think that's dangerous. And I think mm -hmm. that we should not be divisive as people. What mm -hmm. I do is I try and make a strong opinion. This is how I feel about something, right? And when people read it, they have a visceral reaction. Either I greatly agree with that, or I think that's the biggest load of horseshit I've ever read, right? 
I like to think that most of what I write is pretty compelling, but also normal. I don't make wild claims or suggest things that are out, out, out of bounds, but sometimes people don't like it. And so they write about that in the comment section and then they have a conversation and the more conversation that people have the more that gets yeah. lifted up. And so that's how I think about writing my content is, you know, who will like it and who will not like it. Yeah. And um, I try and have strong opinions rather than being vanilla or uh, plain or, or boring. I like that. And, and, and often, you know, what you see is like, a, um, so I, that's why I really love watching you, what you're doing because you're doing this, but it's never like, a, oh, he's doing it for the, uh, you know, just, just to, to boost some engagement or whatever. It's really, you thought about it. Um, it's something where, you know, strong opinion, but you're not like, because if, if, if people get offended by, by what you post, that's, I don't think that's a good thing. So, you know, some people can right. get, easily get offended, but if it's offensive post, that's offensive post. I think it's just like, it's not going anywhere. So, I, I, I hate the state of the world right now where everyone's angry with one, mm -hmm. one another and I don't, I don't want to contribute to that. So yeah. um, I, I, never, I never write anything offensive. I don't have an offensive mind, so I don't write that way. Um, I write supportive things. Mm -hmm. And one other thing that's really helpful on LinkedIn is, you know, a lot of people are down right now, man. A lot yeah. of people are out of work. We've been inside for a long time. It's time to be inspiring. Mm -hmm. It's time to bring some hope and some positivity. Yesterday I said, here's two ways that you can help your friends who are unemployed yeah. in 10 minutes. That thing took off and people did it. They sent me screenshots yeah. of all the recommendations they wrote. Contribute in a positive way, but have strong opinions. Yeah, exactly. And so for people who are starting, you know, often, you know, it, it takes some, some time before you see results. So it's kind of one, two questions in one is like, what kind of metric would, would be important to watch? Like the one metric that matters on LinkedIn and at, at which level can you say, okay, now it's starting to work and I should like continue to invest in what I'm doing. Yeah. I, I think you should expect that nothing works for three months, right? Like just go, just go in with that mindset and that's okay. You're going to feel really dumb. You're going to post something and not a lot of people are going to engage with it and you're going to feel silly, but you shouldn't because you just haven't built an, an audience yet. If you stay consistent and you stay patient and you post at least three times a week for 90 days, you will build an audience, but it's really the combination of two things in your first 90 days, that posting schedule that we mm -hmm. talked about, and you'll, you'll become a better writer or a better person on video or whatever your, your medium of choice is, you will become better over time. Mm -hmm. So this is a great skill building exercise. And the second thing is go out and find people that you admire and start participating in their conversations. Do those two things three to five times a week for 90 days and you will build a miniature audience. Once you've built a miniature audience, that audience will help you find other audience members. Mm -hmm. So that is really important. And the things that you wanna look at in your, in your first sort of 90 days and even beyond is, you know, how many followers? So are people following me? People follow you when they say, I like that person's content mm -hmm. and I wanna learn more about what they say. So a lot of people are like vanity metrics, sure, but it is a good indicator. It's mm -hmm. a leading indicator of, of how, you're, how you're doing. The second thing that I look at is, is engagement. So I measure engagement in a percentage, right? So I measure engagement in either reactions or comments mm -hmm. over the number of views. And I used to do that manually, like for a long time. And now I got Shield, it's 10 bucks a month. And yeah. it's a great, great product. Um, yeah. uh, and now it tells me what my engagement rate is on each post. And so every, every, at the end of every month, I'll kind of look back and say, what are, what are my highest levels of engagement? What are my lowest levels? And the ones that are my lowest levels, I'll just say, do these posts have anything in common, right? Why, why didn't people like them? Mm -hmm. Maybe they weren't compelling enough. Maybe it wasn't a good story. And then I'll look at my ones with the highest engagement and say, what do these things have in yeah. common? And oftentimes it's like good hook lines, nice story. It's aimed at a good audience. It's niche. And I'll just take those notes and I'll write for the next month and try and incorporate those things. It's just, mm -hmm. it's like anything else. You get better yeah. over time. And so I measure engagement and followers. Okay. So yeah, Shield app, like it's Andreas who's doing that. It's really amazing. He's I dropped great. the, I dropped the uh, super nice idea he had. I can't believe it didn't exist before, but it's, um, yeah, I dropped the, the links there. Uh, one last question for me before we open that to the attendees. Sure. I can, I kind of remember you're a big fan of Mexico. Um, so I what's am. your, what's your favorite city there in Mexico? Uh, Mexico city. I love okay. Mexico. Mexico city is probably, Outside of Tokyo, it's, it's a close tie between Tokyo and Mexico City, but my wife and I have been six or seven times. Um, we 
we used to go when it was pre-COVID all the time. I just, I love the people. I love the food. I love the city. Yeah. It's just, it's a great place. I love Mexico too. My, my fiance is from Mexico, from center of Mexico. And uh, I got the luck to go every year, you know, and uh, it's just like, it's, it's super nice. So fabulous. yeah, her, her father is in like uh, construction. He has a construction business. So my, my job, my, my goal in life is to buy like uh, land in Puerto Vallarta, build a boutique hotel and have all the uh, LinkedIn people at this boutique hotel. So nice. we're going to do that in a few years. I'll be there. I'll be there. <laughs> Good. So now we're going to open to uh, the questions to, the, uh, to, the, uh, to everyone. So let's, let me pick what we have here. Uh, ta -ta -ta. If there's any question you see in the chat that you, you think sure. is interesting, just let me know. Uh, so there's Jared. Question for you. Justin, you talk a lot about building your brand around what you have done from the perspective of teaching others who want to learn what you have learned. I'm curious what your thoughts on, are on building a personal brand from the standpoint of building a clientele. I'm working towards starting a virtual finance planning practice and grappling with how best to position myself from, from a branding standpoint. Yeah, so I just, this is a great question because I just had a, I did a coaching session with a guy who um, he works, he's a CFO for interior design companies. And I was like, tell me about yourself. And he said, well, I, the thing that's kind of different from me is I'm in the interior design world, but I used to work on Wall Street. And I was like, is that, is that different than most CFOs in interior design firms? He's like, yeah. I said, okay, well, there's your, there's your hook, man. You bring Wall Street savvy to the interior design world. That's your differentiator. So I would say for, for this guy, you know, Jared, like what makes you different? than other folks who play in your space. Maybe it's your background, maybe it's your experience, maybe it's where you come from, maybe it's something that you've already done in your career. But I would think about, you can't always just be the same. Like, think about, you know, Kevin Dorsey. He's a great sales leader. There's a million great sales leader. What's his hook? Live better, sell better. It's all about not just selling better, but also having a better lifestyle, being healthy. So he has that niche. So think about what, what it is that you do differently or something different in your background and shine a spotlight on that. And if you do that and you talk about things that other finance professionals or whomever your clientele is will find interesting, then use that interesting content, use that differentiator and find that niche. And I think that'll, that'll hopefully be helpful. Okay, good. Um, now a question from Blake. Uh, hey, Justin, how do you feel about going into a deeper niche? Do you worry about being stuck? For example, would you want to create a guides in the future beyond LinkedIn? Yeah, I, I don't, I don't feel stuck. So let me give you, let me give you a reason why, right? Um, there is a future of learning that is relevant to what I'm doing on LinkedIn right now. So for instance, I started by learning how to build an audience. So all I did was build a course. Here's how I built my audience. It's 50 bucks. Here you go. Right. Um, but then I started selling that course and that course started selling really, really well. And so what do I, what will I do next? I'll probably make a course on how to monetize your audience. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Now I, you've got an audience. <laughs> yeah. Now, you, now you got an audience. How do you actually monetize without being a salesy person, without over promising and under delivering? How do you do everything right? Right. How do you deliver a value and have happy customers? Once I have that, like, Right now, I just moved to Nashville to reduce my expenses, right? How do you start reducing your expenses to live a better life? How do you invest your money more effectively to make more income? There's a million different things off of this LinkedIn playbook that at, at first glance do not seem relevant, but you can build a whole plethora of, of educational courses that are relevant to one another, even though they don't appear to be at first glance. So for Blake, who I know very well, and if you don't follow Blake Hudson on LinkedIn, you should. He's a great follow. Um, I don't worry about being stuck because I learn something new every month, every quarter, every year, and you will too. So okay, yeah, you can. It's it's really you can like like an adventure, you know, with your machete in the in the jungle, and you're there, and you and you document everything you do, and, uh, and I think it's great because it's not like hey, you know, I know everything, you know, just follow there. That that's the secret formula to making it. No, you just like these are tactics. Some will work, some will not. Just try them. I've tried them. They work for me. And, uh, and, and then you just share this knowledge. So information is, is the real uh, like a currency there, basically. That's right. Yeah. Um, after someone engages on your post, what kind of DMs or emails do you find interesting and would respond to normally? Yeah, it's, it's a really, really good question. So first of all, 
don't just engage once and then DM, like really become a part of that person's network, right? Mm -hmm. Be constant, show your face, be a regular. And then um, oftentimes when, when folks uh, are able to get me to pay attention, um, they'll write something and they'll say like, Hey man, really enjoyed your post on this. It's, it's really resonating with me. So thank you so much for the help. Um, they might say something like, I'm doing a podcast like, like you're doing, right? I'm doing a podcast. Um, even if they doesn't have like a big following, which luckily you do, but like, even if someone's new and like, Oh, I don't have that big of a following. Would you mind coming on for 15 minutes and sharing a story about LinkedIn? Usually I'll find time for that. Right. What I generally won't find time for is like they post on my thing once and they ask me for free time. That just, I just can't do that because that's taking away from, from my family. Um, so usually it's like, Hey, this particular post resonated with me. So I really like this. Thank you. And maybe a small favor to begin with, but it's also nice just to engage like a normal human being. Like we might do at a conference, like instead of walking up and saying something nice and asking me for something, maybe you say something nice and don't ask for anything. Yeah. Maybe you do it 15 to 20 times and then you finally make an ask or you add value. You say like, Hey, Justin, uh, really like the stuff that you're doing. Um, by the way, I saw this thing online. I thought it would be helpful. I'll give you a very, very quick example of that. Yesterday I got a LinkedIn or a Twitter uh, notification mm -hmm. from uh, a guy who follows me who I haven't interacted with all that much. Um, I'm blanking, uh, blanking on his name right now, but he said, Hey, check this out. And he linked to a video of a new product that's coming out. That's in beta mm -hmm. that I, I, that he thought I would like, and I did like it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Oh, that's dope. I like wrote back. And I was like, Oh, that's super cool, man. I love that. Thank you so much. Now, when he says something to me next time, I'm way more likely mm -hmm. to, to agree to it because yeah. he helped me. So yeah. that, that's, you know, pretty easy one. Okay. Yeah. Like that's the thing, the same, just like do something, you know, like do a, a deposit as Josh Brown would say. And uh, that, that's gonna, you know, that's gonna drive. And often it's like, people can think it's a bit manipulative or whatever, but just like, just providing value, like helping others, you know, um, it, I, I don't think it's, it's actually, even if you have in, in the long term, you say, okay, maybe I can have, you know, like I can work with this person and do something. I think it's just like, if you, the more, the more value you provide, the better it is. And it's not, it's not really manipulative to do these things. It's just like, that's the way humans are wired. It's just like, that's why actually we have this bias. Whenever you give a gift to someone, they feel obliged to give it back. That's kind of like a, a, a psychological bias we have all have in our brains because that's how humans actually thrive by helping each other. So I think that's, that's right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Just if you see someone who writes a post and needs some help, send them a note and say like, Hey, check out this book. Hey, look at this opening. Hey, check out this video. Those are all helpful things. Yeah, exactly. Um, what's been your most valuable mistake? That's a question from Callan Mountain. Yeah, my, my most valuable mistake is, boy, that's a great question. You know, I am a pretty darn liberal dude. I support all marginalized people, races, genders. I, I love that. And one time I, I wrote a post and I just wasn't thinking when I, when I wrote it mm -hmm. and I, I insinuated that we all had like maybe the same opportunity for success and without mm -hmm. thinking about how I was writing it and just, just not being clear. And it, it did offend a couple of people and they wrote mm -hmm. me a note and I, I apologize. I said, I, I certainly didn't mean that, you know, man, I, I just didn't think it through the way that I wrote it. Mm -hmm. And so moving forward, I'm just cognizant of that. Right. I think that, um, your goal shouldn't, there's a lot of people whose goal is to offend. Mm -hmm. That's not mine. And I don't mm -hmm. like that. And so um, I just, that was a mistake I made kind of early on is I just wasn't thinking, I was trying to be a badass and I wasn't thinking the right way. And um, so I just don't ever want to do that again because it made me yeah. feel bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I think yeah. it's, it's, it's super easy to, uh, to, um, you know, to, to kind of like do this kind of mistake early on and then, you know, you, you'd learn from it and then you realize, we don't all have the, you know, let's say in France, you know, we have this thing, which is liberté, égalité, fraternité, which is freedom, uh, equality, and uh, brotherhood or whatever. And that's the values of the Republic, basically. But the truth is in the world, you know, not everyone is born equal. And uh, that's right. the we don't have the same opportunities. You know, we don't start at the same point and you have to be aware of this. That's super important. That's Otherwise, right. you know, it's going to be, you know, it's just going to be alienating for others. And yeah, so I think it's super important to keep that in mind. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Don't don't write stuff. Don't write anything that's intentionally offensive. I think you'll just find. I know I know a guy. I'm watching him on LinkedIn every day, and he's his goal is to be offensive. And I just mm -hmm. I think it, I just think it looks silly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So uh, pre-COVID, I used to post two, two times a week. So that's from Esther. During COVID, I started posting five times a week. I am new in the job market and I sometimes start experiencing imposter syndrome as I feel I don't have good stories or ideas to share with my audience who have been in the job market for a while. My question is, how do I go about creating connect and, uh, and yeah, connect and getting people to send me connection requests? Also, how do I, uh, how I find people I want to connect with? Yeah, for, for me, First of all, everyone has imposter syndrome, everybody, myself included, right? Like, I, I think I wrote about this two days ago. I've written a blog article about my own uh, struggles with imposter syndrome. It took me 15 years to overcome that. So just know to start, everybody has it, right? Mm -hmm. Even the, the people that you look up to the most, they have it, right? So, so just know that, start. I, I think the, the second thing is everybody has good ideas to share. Mm -hmm. don't, don't, don't think about good ideas in the context of, what some of the most popular people on LinkedIn are sharing, because if you hold yourself against that, it, you're, you're, you're never going to really mm -hmm. hold a candle, especially early on. Just think about yourself and what you're learning right now. So if you're in the job market, you're probably going through some disappointments. You're probably learning how to best apply for jobs. You're probably learning what mistakes you've made. Share those with other people who are in the same situation as you, and you don't have to be the expert. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be top of the crop. So that, that would be sort of the next thing. And then the last thing is find people whose content resonates with you. So if you like my stuff, figure out who else that interacts with me has really good stuff. Check out mm -hmm. Kevin Dorsey, Austin Belichick, check out Blake Hudson, Tebow, all, all these guys who are in sort of our network and you're going to find other folks who have really great content. I think the other thing that you can do is you can use um, Boolean search on LinkedIn, which mm -hmm. is a complicated term that you can look up, but it's basically <laughs> like you can use certain keywords to find the folks that you want to interact with. So if you want to find a certain industry or a certain title, you can do that through LinkedIn yeah. advanced search using, using some special tactics and uh, narrow it down and connect with those people. You should connect with people first. Mm -hmm. Once you build a big enough audience, other folks will want to connect with you. So start by being the connector. Yeah, exactly. So last question, uh, and then we're going to wrap this up uh, from Bertram. What's your stance on video content on LinkedIn? How does it perform compared to just text? So um, I found that it does not perform as well. Mm -hmm. um, but also like my, my mantra outside of time, free time is a new currency. Uh, my other mantra is just like, do what you like. I don't like video. I, hopefully I'm not coming across as someone who doesn't like video on this video, but I don't, I like these kinds of things, but I don't like um, recording myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, so do you, know, do you want to know what I do because of that? I'd love I to don't do it. Okay. I don't do it. <laughs> right like yeah. it's it's as e it's as easy as that do what you like yeah. and so if you like to write write if you like to take photos take photos if you like to do video do video if you like to be audio do a podcast mm -hmm. with no video yeah. right what i found is you are more likely to be consistent by doing stuff you like which mm -hmm. is why you see me writing every day yeah because i like writing okay that's all right yeah exactly I should focus then I do so many things. I like doing videos. That's a, a cool thing. At the beginning I didn't, but now I do. Cool. Good. So if people want to get more of you, like uh, um, to follow you, get in touch with you, get more value from you, what, what should they do next? Yeah, I mean, they can go to my website. It's theofficialjustin.com. It's theofficialjustin.com. There's a personal branding section on my website. So you can just click in the menu, personal branding, and you can grab the playbook. Um, I'll actually put a coupon code up so um, your name is a little difficult for, to, to spell. So what should we call it? What is it, Wednesday? Use the word Wednesday and uh, I'll give you 10 bucks off of the course if you want to grab it and you can grab it for 40 bucks. Give me five minutes and I'll whip that coupon up. Um, but you can go grab it at, at uh, you know, the official justin.com slash personal branding. Give me five minutes. I'll have the Wednesday so coupon up and you can get it up for 10 bucks off. All caps, all caps or? Wait, wait. No, just all, all lowercase. Okay. Let me just write it down so you get as many signups as you can. There you go. Yeah, that's how it works. Good. And um, yeah, I guess so you learned it. If you want to talk like to Justin, make sure you provide value. You can't pick Justin's brain. The video recording is there, so you can do it this way. But you have to provide value. Otherwise, you know, he's, it's, not, it's just gonna work, not going to work, basically. 
Cool. Listen, man, I really enjoyed this. And uh, give me give me two or three minutes, everyone. I'll throw a coupon code up and you can hopefully enjoy the, the playbook. Cool. Thanks so much, Justin. Awesome. That was super nice. You have a great day and uh, we're going to meet and talk soon, I hope. Awesome, man. Great to see you. Ciao. Bye. See you. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you like what you hear, you can actually go for a small gift on my website. It's www.saleslabs.io slash ULOS. I repeat, www.saleslabs.io slash ULOS. It's my ultimate LinkedIn outreach sequence. You'll be able to download it, directly use it, and you'll be signed up for the newsletter. And every Thursday, you'll receive the latest episode. 